0: Romans 5, beginning at verse 1, "...therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God." And now our text tonight, "...not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance." Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. That's God's word tonight. May he bless it to us. So coming out of our verses this morning and those three beautiful blessings of justification for our lives, those Precious gems for our past, one for our present, and one for our future. After doing that, it's almost like Paul anticipates where a Christian's mind might go. He brings up suffering. Because someone might say, well, that, that's all great, all those blessings of justification, but life is complicated. It's never that smooth might say well I know we've got I get we got peace with God we have access to God we have the hope of glory but but now how does that go when life isn't going well That's great when life when we're feeling up but what about when we're feeling down And Christians do get down and get pulled down whether it's through struggles that hit us from the outside or within, stuff going on in our own heart and life. What about suffering now? What about when you lose a spouse or what about when a a child or a grandson goes through a very difficult time? What about when you lose your job? What about when you get a severe illness? What about depression or a failing marriage or an addiction or a sin that you just can't seem to shake? Paul has an incredibly bold approach toward suffering here. Paul goes on the offensive. He's telling us that not only is it impossible for sufferings to tear the blessings of justification from us, but suffering itself is an occasion for rejoicing. Suffering, in other words, can can strengthen our faith. So suffering does not take us down as believers. Suffering makes us stronger. And how it makes us stronger is what I think Paul is showing us here. One thing to get straight first off tonight is that although suffering, I believe suffering makes us stronger, I don't think Paul is telling us to be happy about it. Otherwise, he'd say we rejoice for our sufferings, it seems to me. He doesn't say rejoice for our sufferings, though. Some people, you know, because, and I don't know what all goes into this, but because they're psychologically damaged, have issues, feel a need to be punished, as a way of dealing with guilt or because they have this sense of unworthiness in life. And and there's a word for that, of taking pleasure, getting happiness from pain and suffering, and we call that masochism. Christians are not masochists. We aren't looking for suffering. We're not called to rejoice for our sufferings not what he says we're not rejoicing for our suffering so a few years ago and everybody maybe not all of you but most if not all of you know that I had a seizure It was followed by brain surgery to remove a malignant tumor it was followed by two years of, of chemotherapy once a month that wasn't as bad as far as I can tell as some chemotherapy but it was still pretty lousy to go through. And now I still have these MRIs every three months. It's going to go on for a while. My next one is tomorrow morning. And I really covet your prayers that there's no tumor recurrence there. In all of that, I firmly believe that God has and is strengthening my faith. I believe he's used it for my good. And I can point to examples of how he has done that. Yet, if I were to choose, I would rather that it all didn't happen. I wish it never had happened. I'm not happy for the suffering. And my guess is that many people would feel the same way about the trials in their life. Did you grow closer to God when you went through that hard time, when you said goodbye to a loved one, when you went through this illness or whatever? I would think you did grow closer to God, but would you rather not have had to go through the hardship? Probably. The point is that rejoicing in suffering is very different from rejoicing for the suffering. Christians don't take joy for the troubles, but and this is the point tonight. We can know that if God has a suffering planned for us, it will have beneficial results. God will use it for our good. We'll be able to look back in the midst of the suffering and through the suffering to see that God is drawing us closer to him, and I'm, I'm standing in front of you tonight Even with anxiety about the scan tomorrow, some at least, and I can give testimony to this. And so I'm sure that that a lot of you others here can too. Paul in our text is giving us a chain reaction of what suffering produces in the believer. Perseverance, character, and hope. And Paul's chain shows us how suffering stretches our faith, it deepens our faith, And I believe it energizes our faith. Excuse me. First of all, it stretches our faith. And this is the first link in the chain. Suffering produces perseverance, we read. Or we might say endurance. You could even say patience. And that refers to single-mindedness, to stick-to-itiveness, to itiveness Suffering makes us focus on what's really important. Suffering works in such a way that it helps us remember what's really lasting. It helps us realign priorities in our life that might need realigning. It helps us remove distractions that might be in our life, hindering our walk with God. A long-distance runner might be helpful to imagine. In fact, in Hebrews 12, 1 we get that connection where we're called to run with perseverance the race set before us. And we have some expert long distance runners in our church. And there's one in particular who's been whipping out marathons left and right the past few years. In fact, I can picture Ray Medell's photo next to the dictionary entry for marathon. Got a guy on sound who's done a lot of running too, many others. And these guys could tell us more about this, but from the bit I've observed at a distance, long distance away from running marathons, in order to be successful as a long-distance runner, to finish those races, there has to be focus, tremendous focus An aligning of priorities, dedication to run every day, taking the time that it will take to do that, a removal of distractions, any number of them. At the very least, I'm thinking fatty and sugary foods. Got to remove those. A healthy diet, healthy lifestyle, commitment to training in the rain, in the cold, and even training with snow on the ground. Suffering helps us endure and focus on the goal. When I was first diagnosed with that tumor, priorities became crystal clear. I thought of Sarah. I thought of my children. And then especially I thought of my relationship with God. And at the time I wondered, I really thought he was planning on calling me home To glory much sooner than I had expected. I really thought that in those first few months. And while I always have sought to prioritize my walk with the Lord, I really, truly had to ask, was I ready to meet him? Because, you know, when you start thinking about, you know, when we die, no one else, no one else is there anymore. Everything else will be stripped away. It's it's just going to be us and Jesus it's just we asking him and and when you really truly contemplate that come to understand that our relationship with the Lord is more important than anything else it's when we say that as believers it doesn't mean that all of these relationships in our lives are unimportant they are we love our loved ones we love brothers and sisters in the church our spouse families but our relationship with the Lord it's more important than any other relationship. And on that day, we want to be sure that we're standing there before Him in His presence, not in our own filthy rags, as the Bible talks about, but clothed with the righteousness of Christ. The white robes that His work on the cross provides for us when we accept Him by faith. Through the suffering, then, comes perseverance, because it helps you see that goal. And as you're focused on it, you see what's important and what's maybe not so important. You put off the things that distract you in your relationship with God and and that weigh you down and you do better in the race that the Lord has called you to run. Your faith becomes stronger. You're stretched. You grow. Suffering Not only stretches our faith, teaching endurance and focus, it also deepens our faith by producing character. Character is the second link in Paul's chain. We're told that the idea of character, we could call it, uh, I don't even think this is a word, but a testedness, a confidence that can only come through experience, a growing poise that comes through experience in life. Someone who is 50 years old has a much greater handle on their job than someone who's 25 years old and still learning the skills. Even if the 25-year-old doesn't, doesn't realize it yet. The 50-year-old knows the ins and outs of the work, the ebb and flow of the work year. They won't be rocked so easily. And that, that's what's so great about having a mentor, if you can, for your your career and your work. When, when I came here in 2002, I had only worked part-time at churches for a few years while going to school, but Dr. Koning was in his 50s, and he had a knowledge and a poise of how things go in full-time ministry in the church, from council meetings and congregational meetings to planning and leading worship services, right, and writing and delivering sermons Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, conducting funerals and weddings, visiting members. His character had matured as a pastor over the years. The last couple months as a family, we've gone a few times to this uh, really great park that we've discovered uh, for a couple hours on Saturdays, Madison Meadows in Lombard, not too far from our house. And it's especially for Sarah uh, can go around that park to train for this World Renew Freya Family event at Soldier Field that a number of folks here are doing. Yesterday at the playground, uh, we were there, and I was our, we were there, um, our youngest two like to play at this big playground, and I was watching uh, a mom and a dad, maybe in their 20s, 30 years old at most, with a two- or three-year-old little boy. He must have been there first because they were just hovering over him, never letting him get more than several feet away. They followed him up and down the playground. Watch out, honey, be careful. And then the wife said to her husband once, see, I didn't think he'd be able to handle that. And then there's me, the more experienced parent. And most of the time I just watched or, or read from the park bench. If Sophia or Adriana fell, I knew they'd probably be fine. I've seen it all before. You know, as a parent, over the years, you develop a sense of when to step in and get concerned about something and when to leave it be. You don't get all uptight about every little incident. I got to tell you one other thing. Uh, There was once a little girl who I heard about who took something home. This is related to parenting and parents. She took something home from kindergarten that was not hers, and then she lied about it. This, this child was an oldest child. The parents were horrified. What kind of child were they raising? A liar and a thief. Well, the teacher helped them understand that this was not unusual behavior for a five-year-old. Self-preservation is higher than truth-telling. It was a learning moment. The child shouldn't have done this, but it didn't mean she was a terrible child. The parents were relieved. But you don't know those things if you're an inexperienced parent. There's a poise that experience brings. It happens with sports teams, this character. It almost never happens that a team of players who has never been deep in the playoffs will win a championship. The playoffs are a whole new ballgame Whole new set of challenges. When players are new to it, they'll have the jitters, their game will be affected. But if you've been there, teams that have been there, watch out. They'll have a strength that comes from being tested previously, a character. God uses suffering to produce this character, this poise, this maturity. There will be struggle and suffering in the Christian life. The Bible promises it. It's going to happen. And when you experience it for the very first time, it can really throw you for a loop. You're left staggering. I don't feel God's presence. Is he still in my life? Does he love me anymore or not? You learn through going through the fire that even though sometimes... We feel so low that we don't feel God's presence. He is there. And as he brings you out of the depths in his faithfulness, you will once again experience the joy of his presence. And then the next time, the next trial, you're more prepared. You learn that God saw you through that last time. You survive. And the older you get, the more instances you'll be able to look back on. God never left you. He never forsook you. He's not going to leave you now. In suffering, God builds your character. Your faith deepens. This is why spiritual mentors are so important and why we who are younger need to hear from our more mature members and brothers and sisters about how god has been faithful to you through the trials and brought you this day and it's such a joy to hear whether someone is older or whatever age to hear from fellow believers to talk about trials and how god it's an encouragement uh, to one another suffering will grow your character as god's word tells us finally Suffering will energize your faith, and this is about that hope that does not disappoint because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. All of this leads to a growth in hope, and this happens as we're filled with God's love. Many Christians will say that they experience more of God's presence and love during suffering because it it makes, makes us focus on him more helps us trust Him more. Suffering removes rival sources of hope in our lives because everything else is is stripped away from us in suffering. And we see that the only one who can truly meet us in our need is our God. And, And so in suffering, we're driven to our Lord and the one place where there is real confidence and security. We have a hope day by day. We have an ultimate hope and glory when our sufferings will be no more. Every tear is going to be wiped away. No more death, no more mourning. And this hope energizes us for living. We know that all of this is not for nothing. We won't be disappointed. We have life eternal waiting for us. The Holy Spirit, who we read pours out God's love in our hearts, is a never-ending source of love and energy and strength for faith-filled living, like a windmill that never, ever slows down. The wind of the Holy Spirit never stops. He keeps us going Our spiritual tanks are kept full with the love of God as we depend on the Spirit. You can keep going no matter if you don't know the future, even if the future looks bleak to you right now, even if the future holds suffering one day. God's love sees us through. He won't abandon us. He's generous with that love. He pours it out. I wouldn't recommend praying for hard times or for suffering. But God's word tells us something really incredible and amazing for when they do come in our lives. We can rejoice in them for God is strengthening our faith in the suffering to produce perseverance, character, and hope as he pours out his love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit my prayer is that you would experience an outpouring of the Lord's love in your life always, day by day, and even and especially in suffering and in trial.